So, since college, I <clears throat> I really uh, liked so much about Rasan Patterson's style. I remember him from all the kids, Think Kids Incorporated, and even Star Search. I remember because I used, you know. <clears throat> now everybody has cable and all that. You can watch anything anywhere on your phone, on your watch, you know, in your eye. You can have one of Google Glasses or something. I don't know. You can watch anything anywhere. But in the eighties, like it wasn't so many things, so many choices like it is now. And so you would watch certain things all the time and you would watch them together. So I remember when Rasan Patterson was on Star Search. I remember seeing Kids Incorporated. But I didn't put the two together when he came out with Round My Way. Stop on by. Like I remember I was in college when his album came out and I just thought it was dope. Like I just thought it was so dope. I just thought like even his his style was different than everybody else. Like with the hair and the skinny dude with the hair and 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 then just like his look and then the song and the approach. I just thought it was cool, man. I just thought like his style was cool. It wasn't overly produced. It wasn't like all glammed up. It just was simple but not old fashioned feeling. It just was. I I just thought this dude was really really talented. And I remember playing his music on this hip hop show and people liking it. I remember that. Like I was like, the first time I played it, because I used to run my show how I wanted to. Like, again, I really love hip hop and I really love the ones that, you know, is the ones that we all know. And you break those down. And like I said, I, I'm, I was ignorant and still ignorant to so many of the great talent that's more more underground. Like I'm, I'm still ignorant to it, you know. Um, but there's countless, countless great hip hop talent, even at that time, you know, and, uh, well, especially at that time. And I still found a slot for this dude, this R and B singer dude. Right. <laughs> and if I was going to do that, you know, I could pick like a D'Angelo or something, right? Everybody'd be like, okay, this is cool. I understand. But Rasan Patterson, nobody know who this dude is. But I was like, I, I, you know, at a radio station, you get sent so many things, so many different records, so many different tapes. And when I got that one, I remember listening like, yo, this is dope, man. I just like the groove to this. So I added it to the rotation every night. <laughs> so that was the beginning of my Rasan Patterson, like my love for his talent. So fast forward to moving to L.A., I really, I, like I said, I was doing a little bit of everything, writing, filming, uh, assistant director, and, and being a PA, and man, anything to just kind of get the ball rolling. I don't like the term, get your foot in the door, I don't like that, but just get the ball rolling. I was doing a little bit of everything, you know, uh, to... Just learn, learn the business, learn and see what I really like doing. But relatively early on, I knew that the, my niche would be uh, doing something with singers. Because uh, again, I, I just like singers, man. And you give me like a Luther show or Anita Baker show or MJ show or, or any singer, man, Madonna show, you give me a, a, a singer and I'm not saying that these are great singers. Like I say Madonna, people are like, what the hell? <laughs> but I just mean she has talent and she has uh, 
a lot of uh, skills to pull off the things you can think about as a director. And so I just wanted to start doing concert films. That was the, the direction I wanted to take my personal career. And once you start working in Hollywood, you start to find out that a lot of these people front all the time, man. A lot of these people act like they're so rich and they don't really have it. Or you think that they're nice people and they're really mean. Or you think they actually are nice, but the people around them are a-holes because they want to feel like they're important. And it's like so many political things and so much money things and who are you you have no name what's your resume let me see your reel it's like all this stuff you hear and you just want to do something man you just like okay i just want to do something i like this person and i want to do something together but it's so many loops it's management it's it's contracts it's all kinds of things to think about before you can even think of a creative project <clears throat> so still there's still people who got a name but at the same time, who are still open to, okay, you have no background, but what you're talking about, if you can pull it off, I'm interested. And that's how a lot of kids get a, get a chance in a place like Hollywood. If it wasn't for those type of people, no matter who you are, nobody would give. And no matter how big they are now, George Lucas, like he started out as a teenager too. Like everybody started out young. So if you don't have somebody to say, all right, you have nothing to show. You don't have anything that's impressing me, uh, but I'm gonna give you a shot. If people don't give you a shot in a place like LA, everybody would just be the big main top dogs who's doing all the things. Like I said, now it's totally different because everybody got a cell phone that's 4K and everybody can do so many things now. But then and earlier, like it takes, it's, it's a different world. It's a different world. And um, not everybody is willing to give you a shot when you are in their vision, a nobody. Because a lot of people only work with people their level and higher. They will never look at somebody their level and lower, never. And so <clears throat> I, I started focusing my attention on people such as Rasan Patterson. But then after being involved in the in the world of Hollywood for a while, I really, really started focusing in on him because I started doing events and he would perform. Like I remember I did uh, Earth, Wind and Fire were being they were being inducted into the I think it was ASCAP Hall of Fame. And I would never forget it, it was Stevie, it was Music Soul Child, it was uh, of course Earth, Wind and Fire it was all these different people. But I remember um, Rasan Patterson performed. And even though it's ASCAP, and ASCAP is everybody. It's all it's all genres, all races, it's all people. Predominantly in that room were predominantly black people or people of color, brothers, right? No, not people of color. It was brothers. Like you know, all these terms, I'm just tired of these damn terms. Black, people of color. All this, man. We chosen. So this is all chosen people, right? <laughs> so um it was predominantly all brothers, right? And I remember Rasan Patterson was on stage and he was getting ready to perform. He was performing, actually. And he's singing and his voice is dope and the performance is dope. And I remember, because I was filming from the back of the room. I was I was in the back, so I was able to observe so many things. And the room that we were in, I forget, forget the location we were in, but 
it was a relatively small, beautiful place, right? And so you can hear people talking. It wasn't like a big concert arena or something where you can't really hear conversations. So I remember he was performing, and I remember these people, they were laughing at him. And again, if you look at Rasan and you know a little bit about him, like you know about his orientation and all this, but once again, like, if we're talking about art, who cares about any of that nonsense? Like, I can care less about that part. Like, I'm not a judge of anybody. But in that room, so many people were judging him, and I was I was just taken aback by that. I was like, this dude is a dope artist, and why are people doing this to him? And it was such an intimate room. Even on the stage, you got to feel that these people are laughing at him. I, I just didn't get that. But then on the on the opposite side, I would never forget uh, watching Oprah. And I only watch Oprah because Holly Berry's on there. However, I have interacted with Oprah, and I know why she has the the power that she has. She is the most professional media person I've ever seen in my life, man. So anyway, the time that Holly Berry was on there, because who doesn't love Holly Berry? I remember she was like, yeah, one of my favorite singers is this guy named Rasan Passion. I was like, yo! <laughs> I was so happy. I don't even know dude at the time. Like, I was so happy. Like, yo, somebody else see what I see, man. This dude is dope, and he gets not enough love. So, rock on. This is year after year after year after year. I'm going to see his concerts. Uh, I'm, I'm connecting with people who know him, who's connected to him. And I'm st I start to send messages towards him, like, yo... I just want to work with you. I want to do some kind of concert film. And I just and as I get closer and closer and closer, like I remember I was at his, at some I forget the singer. Uh I forget what singer, but I just love her so much. She was on the um Love Jones soundtrack. Oh, I can't think of her name. Oh, she's so awesome, so wonderful. We are at her house and Rasan Patterson is there and we all just they just playing cards and talking. And I always have a cool way of playing it. Like, I'm not going to run up on anybody or make them feel uncomfortable, this, this, this. So, but I did, you know, talk to him for a minute. Everybody know that I want to work with him specifically. And so, he ain't giving no, he ain't pay me no attention really the whole time. He just playing cards, like, whatever. <laughs> so, so many other times I, I was interacting with him. And then one of my good friend's girlfriend used to dance for Earth, Wind, and Fire. And so... She happened to be really, really cool with Rasan. And so from there, I remember we hung out one time for New Year, this big, huge New Year party. My God, that party was so awesome. So we hanging out so several, several times. And I just kept putting in this ear, like, I want to I wanna work with him, uh, do some kind of concert film joint. Got to tell you that because that went on for... I want to say at least 15 years, man, at least 15 years, I had been uh, in the process of really getting to the point where I can do something with, with an artist such as him. And again, I, I, I met, I was fortunate to meet so many artists and do some things with so many artists, but not everybody give you the the, the vibe and the feeling like, yo, they'll be interested in, in, in you because you don't have major money. You ain't famous. You don't have anybody attached to you. Like, all that stuff comes into play when people, like, I want to do something or not. Like, if I was Michael Jackson's son, 
People be like, oh, yeah, man, you know about Jonathan, man, that dude is dope, man. I can't wait to do something because they I, I they can get something extra from that, right? But if it's just Jonathan, this dude just, okay, so you what? <laughs> like, who is this dude, son? How did he get in here? <laughs> How did this dude get in here, man? But no, I ain't that, that like, I... I I actually worked my way up, and, and I did a lot of great things. So people, I know a lot of the cats. It's just, I'm just being honest to myself. It's like I didn't have any of the things that add something, a layer to it, you know, to make it easier. So it was 15 years plus that I had been working on getting Rasan. I even, I had a film studio at a time in, in L.A. Imagine that, a kid with no money, right, had my own what is it, 10,000 10, square foot or 13,000 square foot film studio that I spent my own money on in L.A.? Yes, long way from making $100 a day or $50 a day. <laughs> but I even offered, I called his manager uh, when my when I had my, opened my studio. And I was like, yo, man, how much is it to get resigned to perform for my New Year's? Oh, for New Year? The price is crazy. So I couldn't afford the price for New Year, but because um, Rasan told me himself to reach out to his manager, and I did, and it didn't work out. I was bummed out, but I understood. Like this dude is on New Year's, got to get max money, you know. Can't be getting ten thousand or something, you know. So that didn't work out. <clears throat> but right after. I heard the voice in Long Beach and I decided to go to China. It was once again, 11 something at night. Rasan Patterson called me. Now, to this point, he called, he actually called me directly, him to me. He called me maybe twice up until then, once, once until that point. But this particular night, he called, it was like 11 something. And he's like, yo, I just need to do so I just need to do something. Like it's just I think some stuff was stagnant or something. He's like, I just need to do something. And he reached out. He's like, yo, man, so what you got? And I'm like, yo, man, I'm talking smooth and cool on the phone. And again, I'm not talking about some like fanboy stuff. I just mean from a, a person who's artistic like me, who sees singers in a way that I see them, and I have this whole idea to do with somebody like him. Like, I have this whole plan, like, how to make his show. Because I've, I've been to maybe five to ten of his shows. And I know that looked like a big gap, but I think it's five to ten. I do so many shows. I think it's five to ten shows I saw of, of Rasan's. And even though they great, like, they sing it, and he goes a long time. He stays longer than he's supposed to stay. And it's people love his shows, but it's like so many elements I think can be added to make it where this dude is more respected where he should be as far as his talent and so many different ideas. So I, 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 I was so prepared. Like <laughs> I was so prepared for this, man. I was absolutely prepared for this moment, right? I have been preparing for this. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I didn't care who the artist was. I just wanted to be my kind of artist who was not so arrogant and give me a shot. And even though I don't have all the money in the world, would not sweat me about that and just perform and, and do the best they can. And 
who cares about where, how much money you're going to make from it. I know money is important, but it's just about, okay, this art thing and let's see where it can go. And I get 100% of the energy that I wanted from Rasan. I couldn't believe it. <clears throat> I remember calling my mama and she was like, all right, well, could be the devil. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. But, but my mom was like, all right, whatever. Okay, you paying for this? Okay, whatever. So here we go. You paying for this again? But I was like, yeah, I'm paying for it, but it can it can lead me somewhere. So, but then as excited as I was, I, I stepped it down a lot. I I I hit the brakes. I just saw this as something that's trying to stop me from listening. All these years, I had been wanting to work with a person such as Rasan, and actually, he was the one who I said would be perfect. Even if I could have worked with Michael, because I, I actually wrote something to Michael Jackson's people, and they actually said, okay, this is before the, the, the last sex trial. Like, I wrote something to them. They really liked the treatment. They said, yes, we're interested. I still, well, I don't have it now. But I had, oh, this is so many, so many great stories I have that's true. It's true stories. Oh, oh my gosh. So I, because when you, when you are talented creatively, like I am from that perspective, and you really respect somebody's art, and you really can feel their art, that is different than somebody who's just like, okay, cool, I'm a dope director, and I like you, and I want to make this money. This is a good match. Let's make money together. That's totally different. And so when I wrote something to MJ, like they they actually said, okay, let's listen to it. But then the sex thing, the, the child sex thing came up and that shut everything down for MJ, everything down. So from even if I can pick the most perfect person for me, it wouldn't be MJ because MJ is such, well, was at, at such a high level no matter what you do, and it's great, it just goes that MJ requires excellence. So whoever he worked with, they just add to his excellence. But somebody on, and I don't like to say level like he's lower than or higher than. I'm not meaning from that standpoint. But somebody like Rasan, if you do something on a talented person, and they don't already have that part of it already you know, established, now you're going to be seen as a person who brought something to the table. And all that I have done with thinking and drawing and preparing for singers, man, I was so ready for this opportunity. And it was thrust into my hand without anything. It's just like, okay, let's do it. Now is the time. But I'm like, yo, if I take this and, and I'm going to start marketing this, and if I do it the way that I really want to do it, I know for sure I can get other acts. I know for sure. And when I start to get other acts, now you getting paid. Because I had I had went through so much of the process. I knew how to get the record company to pay a little bit. You know, they have a budget for stuff like this. And when people, albums are coming out. I, I, I mean, now I forgot so much of the stuff that I knew then. But I had done so much of the research and the reconnaissance and the learning and the failing and the paying attention that I knew exactly what to do at the time. Now, I, I don't know. I forgot some of the stuff that I knew, but but I knew exactly how to do this, right? And I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't move forward. I was like, man, if I do this, 
and it's because it's going to work out because I'm so ready for this. It's gonna it's gonna give me a reason not to go to China. It's gonna give me a reason to just stay here and keep doing what I'm doing because I love LA. I love what I'm doing. I even love this struggle. I really love this struggle where everything is not so easy. I, I, I actually I love that nobody knows Avery so much or me so much or this. I love that. I love that we're not the mainstream. I love my homeboys and I love my girl Gina and we all in the pursuit to make it to another level higher. I love that part. Like it's so like so many people don't like the LA thinking. Like I want to be a star, I want to sing, I want to dance, I want to write. But you know what? Who cares? Like so many people got incredible talents and it's not always just one. And so I I appreciate the people who have the mindset like, yo, I want to do everything. I just want to do everything I want to do. I appreciate that. I really respect, admire, and I'm that person. I'm just that dude. I have a lot of talent, and I can do a lot of things, so why limit it? And I knew that all the preparation I had done, studying so many hours of concert films, like, it's very few concert films on X that I really like that I didn't see. I mean, what I mean is the ones that were available, like, when, like, I remember when YouTube came out, like I watched, I stayed up for 24 hours straight watching MJ's concerts and films and stuff. Like I, when YouTube first came, I, that was, I couldn't believe it. And that's the first thing I did. I watched all concert films on MJ. Like I just, I just, I did not sleep for more than 24 hours straight. Not just watching to waste time. I was studying and researching every camera move, every dance angle, every person on the stage, everything that made the girls scream, everything that made the girls faint. Like, how did the water get swept, mopped off the floor, off the stage without making a big scene? I paid attention to the light. I paid attention to the tickets. What did the tickets look like? I paid attention to how did they come through the gates? Were they excited? I paid attention. What were they selling outside in the hallway before you go into the arena or whatever? I, I studied Every single angle I could possibly study from so many concert films and so many concert things, man. So I was ready. I know I'm belaboring this a bit, but you got to understand this was such a long journey from the L.A. side of me. And I finally got something that could lead to something, you know, and I knew it. I knew it. The jump ahead and go ahead and just get this story over. I did something with Rasan. I rented out a, a, a beautiful uh, recording studio. And I think it was in Burbank. And he and his uh, guitar player, pianist, uh, we got together and I filmed something. I had about four, five cameras. And we filmed something. He sang this song that's not out. Like, see me, see me, see me, see me. Oh. See me, see me, see me. Can I get my eyes? Tell me uh -huh. what it is you see. Do you see me? Know me? Feel me? Man, that song is so dope, right? It ain't, I don't know why that song is not more popular, but that song is so dope. Me singing it messed everything up. I know that, but look for yourself. 
So as I sit here in China and I'm looking at my computer to the left of me in this closet, this glass closet, there's a big, huge bag. And in that big, huge bag, it's like all these big, huge um, um, drives and and um, hard external hard drives. And on those hard drives is all the footage I'm talking about. I never did anything with it. What I mean is this. After I filmed it, and I was telling Rasan before this, during this, and after, as much as I love your song and your style and all your songs and your singing and all this, and I've been working on this for so long, man, I got a call from God, man, and I just got a, I got a split now, so I don't know if we should do it. And he just kept insisting on doing it, and I was like, okay, let's do it. And so I put all the money up. Yeah, it was out of my pocket. I put all the money up and everything. But I didn't care about that. Again, we go back to the paperboy route, right? I didn't I didn't care about the money part. I didn't care about it. I cared about this is something I wanted to do for a long time. And even though it's not what I wanted exactly, because but that's on me. I could have did it in a in a concert hall. I could have did it during the show. I could have did all of it during a real concert. I could have staged it. I could have prepared it. I could have directed it, produced. I could have did the whole thing. Everything was open. But I did it in a in a lesser format, um, not even because of the money. It was because I, I, he, he insisted on let's do something. The time was right, and I was on my way out of L.A. I was just on my way out. And so all of the research, all of the preparation, and when I tell you this, and again, if anybody's listening who – I don't know what Hollywood is now. I don't know because again, I've been I've been going for basically ten years now, right, or something. So, it's time flies, especially with technology. Everything keeps moving. Like it don't stop because of me. So things are totally different now than it was when I was there and Adele and Dad and Gina and all these people that I love so much. So now it's different. But the time that I was there and all the time that I was putting in in preparation. That's why I tell the story this way, because it, I can't tell this story in one minute. I can, but it, you won't feel all that I experienced and all that I went through to prepare for a moment. I earned that moment. I earned it. I didn't overwhelm somebody. I wasn't a groupie. I wasn't trying to say something that I'm not. I wasn't being fake. I wasn't phony. I wasn't saying I'm this and I'm that and I got this and I promise. I didn't do none of that. I was just Jonathan. Like, that's it. I just like this dude's work and he fits my agenda. And agenda make it sound bad, but he fits my agenda, meaning I do need to have a name to show the next person, but I need somebody to give me a shot to produce the whole concert. And again, it takes somebody to really understand what I'm talking about, not just somebody in a, in a bar doing a show, not doing a show or you filming it. I filmed hundreds of shows. But I'm talking about directing the band, directing the singers, directing the dancers, directing the clothes, directing the lighting. Like, I remember I just, I don't like BET. I, I just do, I just, it's just repulsed me. I, do, I just, I hate I even said BET. But for a while, every year I did so many things with BET. And, oh, what is his name? What is his name? What is his name? What is his name? Oh, he didn't look out for me, man. He, he oh, what is his name? What is his name? I want, it's not about me saying. I just, oh, he has a very unique name. He's a brother. He does so many uh, award shows and stuff. Oh, my gosh. I can't think of this brother's name. 
So I did so many BET things, so many award shows, so many events, so much stuff. And oh, it's, I see his name, but it's not here yet. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I wanted to learn from him. And I remember like BT, right? And all this black talk, black this, black, black, black bullshit, man. I remember every single production person was white. It was like everybody's white. I remember I have it on tape. My my well now all my stuff get taken in LA, right? When I left. But <clears throat> I have this on tape. My friend Adele can witness to this. We were filming something, it's like the rehearsal for some award show. One of the award shows. And so if you know Hollywood, you know the award shows, there's rehearsal for like a week in advance. So you all that stuff is rehearsed, right? So <clears throat> so we're filming this. I'm 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 stage I'm stage left, right? So, no, I'm stage right. I'm stage right. And that's where the audio equipment is. It's dark in there. And something about a microphone. I forget who was on stage. Somebody's on stage and they were changing up the microphones and this, this, this. And meanwhile, I'm already recording. I'm already recording and I'm getting ready to go back out and oh, I know Fantasia was uh, was rehearsing. So Fantasia was on stage and and I'm in the microphone area, in the audio area, off stage, uh, like I said, stage right. So I'm off stage, but I'm already recording onto the stage, looking at Fantasia as I'm getting ready to walk back onto the stage. And something happened with a microphone, and one of the main audio production dudes, white dude, <clears throat> something pissed him off. And I had it on, I, this is true story. I had I caught the audio and the video. He had the microphone and said, "These niggers, these niggers." That's what he said, man. So be, big bad bet, and this is before they sold it, right? This is before they sold it, right? So this is Bob Johnson bet, right? So so big bad all black bet were all white people doing all the production, right? And I had this, this is God's truth. My only person who saw it was my good friend, Adele. He can tell you this is true. He had the, he had the microphone in his hand, something pissed him off. And he said, these niggas. And he didn't see me, but he didn't care that I saw, I was right there. He didn't care at all. First of all, these people are already in the unions. They can't get really fired. They make so much and... It was like whatever. He's like an older cat, like in his fifties. He he don't care. He he does not care. And he said these niggers. I don't know what made him say that, but the part that I captured was something was with the microphone that happened, and I'm behind him in the audio room, walking into the stage. He's angry, and he says these niggers. Now this is B E T. This is a true story. So my point is, this is so-called BET, but, and I'm not saying they don't give love to a lot of brothers. That's not my point, but I'm connecting with people and I'm honest and I'm genuine and I'm there every year, every event, three or four times a year. There's some kind of event I'm being paid to film. And so you start to know these people, not, not personally, but you, they see you regularly. And you're a genuine kid. Like, you're a kid, man. And there's nothing bad about you. 
And this a brother who has the opportunity to even not pay you to teach you something. And people say no. That's my point. It ain't about no money. It ain't about trying to get something that you didn't earn. It's not about all this stuff. But when you say you're BET and you have somebody like Jonathan, who's been great his whole life, the most respectful kid that there could be. And I see you regularly and I just sit in like, let me give you another story. Let me show you the, the opposite of this, what I'm talking about. And it, I, it sounds like I get off the point, but I'm not off the point because there's so many things that's involved with this journey. Uh, I forget the year. It's around 2001-ish or something. I'm working. I'm just doing some background stuff. Like, uh, you know, I'm not an actor, but, you know, who don't want to be in some movies? So it just so happened I was able to be in a lot of pretty big movies. And one of the movies I was in is, what is it called? Avatar? Not not Avatar. Uh, uh, Maya. I can't, what's the name of the movie? It's Steven Spielberg, and it's with uh, Haley Joel Osment. I, I, I like that kid. Uh, I think that's his name. Oh my gosh, what is the name of it? Oh, AI, AI. So not AI. So <clears throat> I am doing background work for AI, just as fun. Like, yeah, you get paid for it, but it's it's just fun. But AI is directed by Steven Spielberg, right? I have two Spielberg stories to tell you real quick. So I'm I'm scheduled there for like a week. Um Steven Spielberg, I see him, it's like a break. And one thing I like and respect about Steven Spielberg, he's a family man first. So his production, first of all, he has the best of the best. Like everybody is the best. Everybody is the best, right? And so they're so professional. They already know what they're going to do. Everything is is just well, it's like a well-oiled machine with Steven Spielberg from my experience with him. It was so professional, so well done. It was, it was when you say professional, that's what I saw. I saw professionalism at its apex. <clears throat> so it was like a little downtime. And I remember he was just, even though it's Steven Spielberg, when you're on the set, like he's, it's not some superstar thing. It's like, I'm focused on my craft. So he, he had a little downtime. He was smoking a cigar, just standing next to the director's chair, basically by himself. So I went over and I talked to him and I, and, and my mama always said like, why you say this? But I, I don't I was just honest like I was telling them um yeah I'm here and, and I'm doing background work but I don't want to be an actor he's like what do you want to do it's like I want to do what you're doing I want to produce and direct he was like well produce and direct <laughs> I was like okay and he was like what kind of movies you like and I was like well <laughs> I don't really like your kind of movies I know that might sound pompous but what I was saying was like people like Steven Spielberg I just even as much as I love MJ, it's the same. It's like when you reach a certain level, everybody around you is the best. It's infinite amounts of money for everything you do. So some of the art, for me, in my opinion, I can't give full credit for that. I, I give credit in one from one perspective. But when you have the best of 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 everything, that really reduces the chances for you to fall on your face because even if you're not the best director, you get the best... A cinematographer if you're not the best you got the best you even get the best food you get everything is the best so it's like i like more of the independence type thing i like i like the ron howard i didn't tell him this part but like ron howard type films uh i i, I like different people who's like not so known and again if i say that now it sounds a little bit crazier but these people didn't 
reach a certain level that they probably are now. It's like other kind of directors who, like one of my favorite directors as a kid, believe it or not, was Robert Townsend. Like I just, I just thought he can do everything well. So I like uh, directors who don't have everything. <laughs> yeah, I did. So the kind of movies I like is not your kind of movies. It's the kind of movies, <laughs> the kind of movies where you struggle a little. I I know my mom was like, "Why would you tell him that?" But I think my honesty. I wasn't being disrespectful, but I don't like the big blockbuster films that much because they have everything. Of course, it's going to be a success. You have everything put into it. So. Um, longer story short, shorter, um, he said, how long are you here? I said, I'm here about a week. He said, well, look, don't act. As long as you're here, just come stand next to me. And you can ask me any questions you want. Just stand next to me. And for several days, I just shadowed Steven Spielberg. I just, he didn't say anything to me. He didn't teach anything to me. He didn't kick me away. He didn't, he didn't promise me nothing. He didn't give me his phone number. He didn't do anything, but he did everything for me. First of all, this is one of the best directors in the history of all film. Like he's he's Albert uh, Hitchcock. He's a, he's he's like one of the best that you can think of. You would put Steven, no matter who you're talking about, what genre, what generation, what year, what format. Steven Spielberg is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, filmmaker of all time. Period. That's just the end of the story. It, it, it don't get any better than Steven Spielberg. And here is this man who says, okay, don't act. Just stand next to me. Ask me any questions. So I just stood next to him. Not directly next to him, but just right not far from him. Because again, I didn't want to, I wasn't trying to be too much. I wasn't trying to do too much. I just wanted to learn and observe from afar without with respecting people that they get these numbskulls talking to them all the time, trying to make them rich and famous. I, I didn't want to feel like that. So as a matter of fact, I, I left that production a day or so early to do something else because I had gotten what Steven Spielberg was giving me. He was giving me a person to say, even though you don't have a name such as me, you're no different than me. You're no different than me. I remember the me in the same position as you. That's what Steven Spielberg, who I would consider, forget about liking his work, if it's your taste or not, as far as directing and producing. I mean, what he has done, who is better than Steven Spielberg? I don't know. Even George Lucas, he's done not as much of a wide range, in my humble opinion, as Steven Spielberg. Like Steven Spielberg is probably the greatest director of all time. And he says, here, man, let me just give you some hope. Let me give you some hope, little guy. Let me give you some hope. That's what the dude gave me by just saying, okay, don't, don't act. Just produce and direct. And matter of fact, how long are you here for? All right, well, just stand next to me. You got some questions? Ask me. I didn't ask him any question. I didn't bother him. But at the same time, he gave me so much confidence just by being kind to me. Flip it to something else where it's supposedly your people and you're the same genuine person who's not trying to do too much, just saying, can you teach me how to do a production like this? I can see this dude's face. I just can't say his name. And I wouldn't say his name because I don't want to sound bad, but I can see his face. 
And he I, I, he gave me his card. He did give me his card. I emailed this dude regularly. Like, not regularly. I mean, like, every so often to say, hey, man, dude, any any way you can teach me, I'm willing to. I don't need anything. I don't want anything. You don't have to pay. You don't want nothing. Just teach me how to produce an award show. Teach me how to sit here and do this. Motherfucker didn't teach me nothing. Not one thing. And so I got to say this, even though I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to this spiritual journey that I'm on. And even though you hear a motherfucker in there, <laughs> I got to drop it in there, man. Because it, it's the way for you to really understand what I mean. And if anybody is, is, has worked in the world that I'm talking about, you would totally understand what I'm talking about. I said I had two Steven Spielberg stories. Another one was my good friend. He is a person who gets paid to go around and film, I mean, not film, take pictures of apartments. And and in LA, you know, it's a lot of people moving about. So there was this one publication where they have a lot of the, you know, everything is online now, but there was a publication. Maybe they still have it just online now, maybe. But you, it's all these apartments in there. He would get paid a lot of money to go out and take pictures of these apartments and houses and put it into this book for people to rent and buy whatever. <clears throat> so one time, this is before we got together uh, later on that day, but he's out and he's taking pictures and it's by the hills. Like Steven Spielberg has a house in the area, if I'm not mistaken. And Steven Spielberg drives by and see him taking a picture of taking pictures of these houses, not his house. He's not like, what are you doing, black man? He's like, yo, you know, what kind of camera are you shooting with? <laughs> and my boy Lamar was like, yo, this is Steven's brother. It's Spielberg. Like, yeah, what kind of camera are you shooting with? Yeah. So what's the angles and what's this and this, this, this? Not quizzing him like, do you know what you're doing? Just like, just kicking it with him. Kicking it with him, man. And so I remember he he couldn't wait to tell me this story. And he didn't know I had a story that's similar. That's not to separate because he's kind. that Everybody needs to be like Steven Spielberg. That's not my point either. You can be whomever you are. But the point I'm making why some things when you get an opportunity is so vital is because it's so few and far between where you get somebody who you think you like as a fan, right? But you meet these people and they are the most a-holes that you can meet. And it's for no reason other than being an a-hole, man. It's for no reason. And so a person such as me, like I said, I, I mentioned that story for so many reasons, but one of the reasons is so you can really understand the, 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 the process of just wanting to learn how to do something professionally. Like, how to do it, how to do it the right way. And you cannot learn everything by yourself. You just cannot. You just cannot become great by yourself. It's just impossible. Like, there's somebody out there greater than you at something. And I always believe, like, we really got to pay attention to the great people, man, and and really study what they do. And then once you put your own thing on that, then you can be greater and greater than that. So, my point in telling that story is to get back to how hard it was for me to turn down this opportunity 
because I had gone through so many things just wanting to learn and preparing myself how to produce a concert film, how to do it to the best of my personal ability. And even after I do it to the best of my ability, I'm going to learn and grow. But I, I had gone through so many of the steps and I had to scale it down. I did it, but I didn't do anything with it because I heard the voice what I thought was the voice of God saying, leave the country. And I listened to it, man. I listened to it. I I shot the thing. I told Larissan the whole way. He actually, he reached out to me recently. And again, I, please understand, like I said about the car, if you work making cars, you're going to talk about wheels and tires and windshields, engines and motors, okay? So I'm not trying to name drop, as I say, these people that might be recognizable. That's not my point. My point is, this is what I did. This is what I honestly did. And these are the experiences I honestly had. That's it. And I'm not trying to get anything from saying somebody's name. I'm mentioning Rassam because to this day, I just absolutely love that dude. I just love his art. And he was kind enough to me to give me a chance. He saw the energy and the effort. I was consistently, respectfully, and persistent paying attention to this is the person I want to do what I'm talking about with. And at the end of the day, he respected that. And so he always has my respect, not because he did something for me, because again, I paid for this production. So he didn't, from that standpoint, I got nothing from it. But at the same time, it's like, you have a goal and you want to achieve this goal and you, no matter how long it takes, you hang in there and it comes to you. And, but I had to just walk away from a period of time where I knew for sure my life would go a level higher. It would level up in a words, <laughs> in a word, it would level up, man. It would level up. And, and I walked away from that, man. 